Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. I once went to Cornwall. I left my hoodie at home, we got lost, it rained, everything was shut, and we ended up eating sandwiches under the umbrella next to the beach. On the way home, the car broke down. On this week's podcast, someone else has a bad time in Cornwall. <laughs> this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year. I'm one half of your hosts, Liam Delaney, and... And I'm Oliver Jones. Very good. Not laughing at my story. You're allowed to laugh out loud. <laughs> I did it. I did laugh. I did laugh. <laughs> you know, I'll crank it up. You're allowed to tell the, uh, people edit. you think I'm funny, not just a weirdo that you do a podcast with. <laughs> do you want me to put lol over it as you... <laughs> no. No, I do not. <laughs> um, I'll put a laugh track, you know, like oh, uh, yeah. a sitcom. Yeah, that'd be great, actually. And then we can some, have, like, a sitcom some Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just like Frasier. That's what I've always wanted to be in life. It's actually just to be Frasier. <laughs> Probably more I think you should, you, should sing an out, you should sing an outro song, I think. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know what to do with the host of salad and scrambled eggs. The next podcast is Fist of Fury. <laughs> Tune in next week. Week, week. Okay, what are we doing? How are you, Ollie? I'm good. I'm good, you? Yeah, I'm really good, actually. I, um, I've got some things to talk about. Actually, one thing we should probably first talk about. Should I bring the mood down? <laughs> oh, I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, Ian Holm died today, just before we started recording, actually. Yeah, so it's going to be about, what, a week and a half late when people hear yeah. us talk about yeah, so it's it. But, yeah, it's next week, yeah. So. But yeah, really sad, really sad. I've always enjoyed Ian Holmes' performances. Yeah, he's, um, in for England anyway, he's an absolute icon, uh, you know, stage yeah. and screen. And and for me, he's done so many roles that I remember him for. Like, not even putting aside kind of, you know, the Oscar winning, or not Oscar nominated for Chariots of Fire. But like Alien, who, you know, yeah. talking of 70s films, Alien, he's absolutely... Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, Bilbo, and and then stuff like, you know, Madness of King George or Fifth Element or Bazil. Like, yeah. Um, Time Bandits, he's yeah, great in Time, Time Bandits. Bandits yeah, he's so amazing in that. And then, yeah, to, um, Bilbo, he just absolutely nails Lord of the Rings. And I can't, it's hard to imagine anyone else really is playing Bilbo. I know Martin um, did it, but like, he just got that so spot on. And it's really sad. But you know, he's in he's in Naked Lunch. Wasn't he oh. the dad in Garden State as well? Oh, he is in Garden State as well. I love him in a film, and I know I can hear Brandon in the back of my head telling me this film's crap. But um, <laughs> he'll tell you every film's crap. <laughs> You're gonna throw him in the bus again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always under the bus. What film's that? Uh, sorry, uh, Big Night, uh, the Stanley Tucci directed movie touch of the tooch i've not i've not seen um, that one i absolutely love that film stanley tucci makes an omelet in it and it's the best scene i've ever watched in film <laughs> um ian holm plays like uh the kind of villain if you can call it that in that um he has quite an outrageous italian accent in it which might be a bit of a stretch but i love him in it and i love that film so um I always well, if i remember it. i think he was pretty ill when they were doing the um the hobbit films because he didn't go to New Zealand to film his parts. I think they had to construct a whole set oh, in wow. the UK to film his segments as of Bilbo for the beginning of that. Huh, I didn't know that at all. I know that because um, he he died um, died with 
complications to do with Parkinson, so he probably was suffering for quite a long time. But I know one of yeah. the last things he did before Hobbit was rat the Ratatouille as well, and I love him in Ratatouille. He's great. Yeah, great. great. great yeah, rat so. Ratatouille is very good. Yeah, it's probably my favourite Pixar actually. Actually, yeah. Really? Yeah, I think it is my favourite Pixar. Well, that that had quite a troubled production, didn't it? I think it had a different director it until did. Brad Bird yeah. kind of Brad Bird took it over. Comes on and nails it, makes it the best film <laughs> ever made. Well, it's not the best film ever made, but I absolutely love that film. I was watching a video, you know, like honest trailers or whatever those kind of where they just pick apart a film and kind okay. of, and they like picked apart Incredibles two, you know, basically saying it's exactly the same film as the first one. I was like, mm. I kind of agree with it, but at the same time, it's really good. So mm. like, I, I can't had, really. I had no problems with Incredibles two. I just sometimes you just really like sitting and watching something, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Like, and I just and it was, it was well done. I mean, yes, mm. okay, it was very similar in themes and stuff, but you know what superhero films aren't very similar to the yeah, true. previous film. Do you know what I mean? They're, you know, it's full of tropes and stuff like that, and it just follows the normal tropes of a superhero film, pretty much. Yeah, but it, I mean, I, what I did like about about it was it was female led, which that makes it like the second superhero film ever that's female led, really. Yeah, I I agree. But like I think there's not really not many of them at all, so you can you can give it that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um. Oh, talking of not female led at all. Did you watch any films yes. this week? Because I watched something. I watched my. I've watched. I've watched a few, so I'll just I'll mention two quickly. Okay. So I rewatched The Lost Boys on the heat head <laughs> of uh, talking about Batman and Robin and Batman yeah. Forever the other week. The Schumacher's and. I enjoy the hell out of that film. It's just a good good time watching that sure. film. The saxophone it's... guy is iconic. <laughs> yeah, he's all oiled up and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, just a random like gig on the beach. Um, yeah, of course. Just get the saxophone out on the beach. But you can... There's definite, like... The the look of the Lost Boys in that, how they dress in that, you can see that in, like, the gangs in, um, in the Batman films and stuff like that. Just doesn't have as much neon... <laughs> yeah i would agree i can imagine the lost boys being in neon i can imagine him doing that to that film oh yeah i'm surprised i'm surprised they haven't made like a lost boys tv show or whatever now because it seems ripe for that kind of you know like wasn't um, there am i going mad that they did some sort of adaptation you know those like warner brothers tv shows they've got a channel isn't there like a warner brothers tv channel that kind of does all the superhero shows and stuff oh wb or yeah something? sure yeah it'd be ripe for like that like a supernatural kind of thing but like the lost yeah. boys where it's that i guess that's just like yeah actually i guess vampire tv shows aren't just pop aren't that popular anymore i mean yeah it wasn't there was one called the vampire diaries wasn't there was it, or something yeah. like and there was True Blood. Was that vampire? True Blood's the one I was it. trying to think of. That's what I was pausing to try and think of. Sexy vampires, sexy vampires and sexy in the south. Yeah. And stuff. But, was um, it werewolves in that? Or was it just vampires? I don't. know. I have no. I think there was every. I think there was pixies in it and nymphs. I think I remember that being. Okay. It. I think it was lost. There's of a Teen Wolf TV series that's apparently. Nothing. I was about to mention Teen Wolf because you mentioned Lost Boys. I was thinking of Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf is very different to. Um, Lost Boys, though. Yeah, I'm sure the TV show is very different to the actual movie. Oh as yeah, well. I think the um, I think the TV show is more of a drama, kind of horror drama. Yeah, as it's a to, young like, adult drama. The wacky like, comedy where uh, everybody embraces Michael J. Fox as a werewolf. Yeah, and and being a werewolf helps you play basketball because it has in the daytime it has all the well. things you need to play basketball with as a wolf. It makes yeah, but not sense. at the end, isn't it? What's the song at the end? 
going to win at the end. Ah, uh, I do win at the end. <laughs> and he's the smallest basketball player ever. Yeah. <laughs> good, good song. Good movie song, that is. It is. It's like the, the end of the Karate Kid song. The song at the end of the Karate Kid had a good one as well. I like the bit in, in Teen Wolf where his dad reveals that he's a Teen Wolf. That is the best moment ever. And I like that the fact that he reveals that he's a Teen Wolf. Like, we're a family <laughs> of Teen Wolves. <laughs> like, that's the condition. You know, the sequel, uh, it's not um, Michael J. Fox, but it's um, Jason Bateman. Is it Jason Bateman? I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think, you know, like how Eugene Levy pops up in those, like, straight-to-DVD <laughs> films of American Pie? Yeah. I think the dad appears in the the sequel as kind of like the the werewolf mentor. Amazing. Like, I think he's his uncle or something. Amazing. What happened to CT Wolf 2? <laughs> we'll watch it. We'll do it for like 1986 or whatever. We'll do it, it for every year of the 80s. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else I watched. I watched a film called, I think it's Moving Parts, and it's like a documentary about Trixie Mattel, who was on. Oh, uh, from Drag series, Race. Yeah, Series yeah. 3 of Drag Race. It was all right. <laughs> and Caroline's. That was Ollie's review. <laughs> it was all right. Next. I mean, Caroline's a massive fan of. Um, I like Trixie. Drag She's Race. really talented. Yeah, she she won the third series of All Stars as well. I think. Yeah. Okay. But, I was going to um, say she won All Stars, not the actual one. But um, I just this documentary felt like quite a. I wouldn't say forced documentary, but it's it seemed like a bit clawing, maybe a bit a bit fanish. Yeah, like it was made just because of her. her I mean, that's the same with any yeah, documentary. I but I don't know if it was made by the production company that did uh, Drag Race. But Drag Race is featured a lot in it. She goes to a lot of uh, like viewing parties and stuff like that. And it's all oh. about her relationship with another drag uh, act from the show, and I've forgotten her name. And they did like a a web series called Uh. Yes, they did, like and I can't remember her name either. And then. She had like a breakdown, kind of, or hmm. went to rehab and stuff like that. So that was fairly interesting stuff. But yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Worth a watch. It's on Netflix. Yeah, well, if it's on Netflix, it's worth a watch. I haven't watched the new Netflix film, actually, The, the Five Bloods. That's what I wanted to watch this week, and I haven't got around to it. Cause... I started to, but fell asleep. That's not a slight on the film. I was just <laughs> really tired. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, um African-American war film, isn't it? So yeah, I think so. I wouldn't. Yeah. So interesting as we just watched Dead Presidents. I wonder, it's a sim- maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll try it. and watch it for next week, maybe, and we'll talk about it. But I watched um, the King of Carrot Flowers. <laughs> 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 All week I've been going to myself. When you were young, you were the King of Staten Island. <laughs> to to myself, to a joke to no one else, just to me. I've been enjoying myself for like a week singing that. Um, if if no one knows what Liam's on about, there's a, a band or well, he's a solo artist. I don't know. Yeah, Jeff Mangum. And it's yeah, Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Only released one album and an EP. Fantastic though. There's a live album um, as well. It's worth. Is there a live? Okay, live album. You don't count live albums. <laughs> yeah, iconic band and and that song's amazing. Yeah. And so check it out, King of Carrot Flowers, Part One. But there's Part Two part as well, one. and Part Three actually as well. What was the two-headed boy? Isn't there a few parts of that as well? Yeah, there's, there's two-headed boy part two at the end of the album as well. That's it, yeah, yeah. I like that bit when they brings it back into um, the two-headed boy thing at the end of that song. It always lifts me up when he goes back into it. Is this an album? Is this a podcast about <laughs> neutral? Well, hang on, when, when, you me- when you messaged me about that joke, I 
for some reason I couldn't think of the tune for Carrot Flowers and I was thinking of all the other songs trying to fit that lyric <laughs> into the other songs you were the king of Staten Island and then you went and worked with Bill Burr and you were a fireman <laughs> and everything was great and Marissa Tommy was there. I loved it. I loved it. I, I I didn't think I would, and I absolutely loved it. And I know it's too long, and I know it drags a little bit, and I know it's kind of baggy because it's Judd Apatow. But I loved it. I, I absolutely just I, I just sat there and enjoyed every second of it. I felt like I really enjoyed it as well. I you know I mean last week I mentioned a few reviews that were a bit scathing towards. Yeah, it, but... I've read them as well, and. I don't disagree, but I loved it. Well, I do in some respects. Like I, I, I didn't get bored with it. No, like, I didn't. You know, as long as it was, and um, and I think the film's a little bit aimless, but so is the main character, and y- you kind I of just loved that. It felt so. It felt and because a little he's bit... sorry, go on. Because, because he's got ADD in it. Uh, mm. the film kind of jumps around from bit to bit and I quite like that like it takes a while as well for him to get to the point where he goes to the firehouse as well yeah and you kind of think oh is he going to become a fireman now (laughs) but he doesn't really that's what I was going to say I I loved about it that the the resolution of it wasn't like massive it wasn't that he solved his dead dad issues it wasn't that he became a fireman and and saved someone with a fire or anything like that that. it was just this little kind of story about someone like getting to somewhere in their life just a little bit better felt so human to me and and i really liked that about it it didn't feel just overblown or anything i mean there's certain elements of course it was but it just felt really good and natural to me i just i felt really like realistic in a kind of in that way and yeah i mean I mean, a big. I'm a big fan. I I like Forty Year Old Virgin. I like Knocked Up. Um, Knocked Up. Uh, I'm not a massive Judd Apatow fan. Well, there's a I lot of it. there's a lot of similarities with all of his films. Like they, a lot of them feature slack. Like especially with Knocked Up, they're kind of he's a slacker with no money. He smokes pot all the time. Sure. He's got he's got a wacky idea about his what he's going to do with his life. Like in Knocked Up, he's going <laughs> to okay, do like yeah. a Mister Skin style website. In this, he wants to open up a a tattoo parlor that serves food yeah which i don't think's a real idea it's just something he blurted out once and it just kind of <laughs> as well being a tattooist is, is fine as well That's i love job. the fact he tattoos people on the beach in the woods like in the least <laughs> sanitary areas ever the scene with him tattooing the kid was making me laugh so fucking oh much. it's so funny i loved his i loved pete davison in this i don't know him at all i don't i i don't know snl i don't know that kind of stuff like because it's not shown over here so i just had no kind of expectations of him going in but i, don't I loved you find him that weird that, that snl never i mean i know we got our own snl which harry enfield became famous for and stuff like that, that but we <laughs> but we never got the american one which you thought we would have done i don't know why they have never done a deal I always think about that about a lot of the chat shows as well. Like I know, like I used to watch kind of Letterman and Conan on like um, cable. I can't remember what channel it was on. It might be yeah. like NBC, I think. Um, and uh, and um, they were good, but they were shown at like you know two o'clock in the morning, like two days or a week after or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't know why a TV show has never gone. These are really popular. Let's just buy it because for some people reason, like it. the. The Oprahs get over here. The yeah, Ellen's yeah, the daytime ones, yeah, those kind of ones. Yeah, over here, but Sally, Jesse, Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought the cast was great. Like Marissa a lot of people, Tomei is always to, great. 
So a lot of people dislike Pete Davidson, but I've never seen him in anything, so I can't say anything. But I thought he was very good in this. But I loved him. I guess he was playing he's... himself. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, so did it have a little little bit to you of a bit of like a Harmony Corinne vibe to it? Just in the fact that it was a bit f- easy breezy. It wasn't like like Harmony Corinne. Like I'd say thirty percent of his films are, are scripted or structured, and the rest of it is just kind of um, yeah. Yeah, is just kind of do what you want, and it's they're a bit dirtier and well, a lot dirtier and scrappier and a bit more messed up. But um, sure, I I, I you thought know. like the kind of Staten Island stuff was a little bit kind of in that vibe. Like someone who might like like Harmony Corinne stuff might appreciate that this is a bit kind of you know scumbummy and a bit kind of like that. And yeah, well, that that's what they try and show what the people of Staten Island are like a bit kind of chavvy in a and in an American kind of sure. sense, I guess a yeah, bit like. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the people in Jersey Shore are a bit Guido-ish, but not like that, but their own kind of... Yeah, kind but they're not, you know, they're not New Yorkers in that way, when you yeah, think yeah. like... And I, I liked that effect of it. And Steve Buscemi was just amazing. Like, Steve Buscemi was... like well, He's always amazing, but he, like... I loved him in this kind of nurturing role he had. I love that baseball scene when he's like... Steve Buscemi makes a joke and, and Pete Davidson's like, <laughs> why don't you be more like him? He's good. I like him. He's funny. Well... I mean, it's, it's he was actually a fireman, wasn't he? And I think he in nine eleven he kind that, of helped out, didn't he? Yeah, that's the famous Reddit joke that every every month someone will post that as like, "Did you know that Steve Buscemi like, was?" <laughs> like everyone knows now, everyone. Like. But I think Pete Davidson's dad died in nine eleven, didn't he? I think. Oh right, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was a fireman and died in nine eleven. So that's amazing. Fireman. So I knew it was slightly autobiographical. Well, not amazing. That sounds like yeah. I just mean yeah. <laughs> I I know that it was slightly autobiographical for him. So I didn't realize. But it was yeah, that you close. were saying Melissa Tomei. Yeah, she was. She was just, great. She's always. She had a bit of a mullet Dragon? thing going on. <laughs> I think it's just a Staten Island do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Melissa Tomei, and so she was always amazing. Do you know when she filmed the wrestler? Her and Mickey Rourke didn't get on. Like she absolutely hated him. And, well, I'm um, not surprised to be honest. I almost called him Mickey Rooney. I always do. And, oh, uh, I'd love to see Mickey Rooney in the wrestler. <laughs> oh my god! But they that wouldn't part. shoot scenes together, so like he would just walk off from her, like close-ups and stuff. So whenever she's in that film, she's reacting to just like the director or stand-in or anything else like that. Mickey Rooney was Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Mickey was never on Mickey set. Mickey Rooney. <laughs> I'm the wrestler. Don't you know? But and then like I think there was one there's a love scene or something like that and that's the only thing they shot together or something properly like they just would split up immediately and she just absolutely hated him and apparently he was an asshole to work with which is not surprising. Well, apparently he's an asshole on yeah. every film. Like he, when they made Iron Man two, I think he went off to Russia to kind of oh, learn how to be a Russian and it's like you don't need. To, like, <laughs> well, he got the detailed role got, as like, Whiplash. He, he got like metal caps put on his teeth and stuff like that. And it's like, no, there's a thing called makeup, you know. <laughs> that is the word. I hate, I hate Iron Man 2 as well. And he's just, it's just so pointless with him in it. Oh. It's a shame because they had a good cast in that. Like, uh, like Sam Rockwell, who Sam I Rockwell, think yeah. is always good in everything. He, he's, I mean, he's even good in Iron Man 2, but yeah. It's just a shame he was in that one. He's, he's, he's crafting his career of playing racist with a heart of gold at the moment. Did you know the um, racist with a heart of gold? <laughs> the uh, the girl who plays his kind of on-off girlfriend in in this, she's uh, British, which 
I thought her American accent was fantastic. Oh, I would, yeah, I never would have picked up on that at all. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, Bill Burr, I thought was great in this as well. I, Bill Burr, I only I know from his stand up, but I think he was in Breaking Bad. Really, that was about it. But was he in Breaking Bad? I from. I, th- I thought from the trailers it was. Um, it was what's his name from the Goonies? Uh, he was one of the Fratellis in the Goonies, and he was uh, he was what in Bill Memento. Burr was? I thought no, you know Memento, uh, the guy who plays Teddy. Oh, you know, the, oh, pantaloons. Pair yeah, of I pants. thought that Joey Pants from the trailer. I thought it was Joey Pants. Ah, oh, Joey Pants could have been in this. That would have been great. That would have elevated it. People would have stopped <laughs> moaning then if Joey Pants was in this. <laughs> I love yeah, him. What I... is he doing nowadays? Why isn't he in every film? Let's see what Jerry Pants is doing. <laughs> That's, I always think Jerry of it. Pants. <laughs> to come up with... Did you just Google yeah. Jerry Pants? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's six. He's sixty-eight now. So, Joey Pantolino, uh, whatever his name is. What was he last in? Oh, he was in Bad Boys for Life. Oh, was he? Well, he's the ca- he was the captain in the first two films. So oh, I forgot about that. Uh, Might I need to watch Bad Boys for Life now then. Is it, he should be in the new Matrix. He was in Cats and Dogs: The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Oh, good, good. That was ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll all check that out. He was in Sense Eight. Oh, I didn't watch Sense Eight. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like he's slowed down in the last few years. But anyway, but yeah, oh. King of Staten Island. I give it four out of five. Good. Yeah, film. easily. Yeah, I, I'm really kind of baffled why it's getting hate actually i tell you who i liked in it there's a guy i don't know his real name but his stage name is machine gun kelly is this Um, action bronson by any chance because action bronson he's the guy at the end who is really high and won't say if he's got shot or stabbed no no not him he's um machine gun kelly's he plays his best friend who I think he gets shot in the the raid at the pharmacy. Oh Spoilers, yeah, 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 yeah. If you haven't seen the film, yeah, we've just bought everything in this film. <laughs> Not really, we haven't really. Um, but yeah, I thought he was really good in the film. He plays Tommy Lee in the Dirt film. You know the oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. But yeah, like it's his group of friends and the little guy as well. He just kind of seems to hate hanging out with them, but he just does yeah. anyway because he's got nothing else to do. And he keeps and he telling just keeps... him about his hot girlfriend. They won't believe he's... him. Yeah, and it turns out well. Yeah, I won't spoil it. <laughs> don't spoil it. But yeah, I I surprise myself. I I don't consider myself much of a Judd Apatow fan. I I like funny people. I think I like Forty Year Old Virgin, but I haven't watched it since the cinema. Probably. It's um, a more cinema film. Like at the end, they all break out into song and stuff like that. Whereas, um, whereas in this, they um, it's 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 more. I'd say it's more of a drama than a comedy, maybe because the humor's not like. Joke, joke, joke. Sometimes they have jokes in it where it's just like in real life where you'll try you'll say a joke just because you've got nothing else to say and it'll be shit <laughs> and people just ignore it. And I thought, do you know what I mean? That kind of realistic, yeah, really kind naturalistic of... vibe. Yeah, really was. It made me laugh a lot though. Saying it's not a comedy, it did make me laugh a lot. I oh yeah, definitely made scene. me laugh. I um, I can't remember any of the jokes off the top of my head though because I remember kind when of the guy's just... getting tattooed and he comes in. And he just keeps insulting him about the guy's tattoos. <laughs> oh, because he's got the... Um, he's got the Confederate flag. And... Confederate flag. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like, I really liked um, him reacting with the kids as well. I thought it was really sweet. And I, and again, I liked how, like, it wasn't this grand change to his life. It was just this slow understanding that he, you know, 
he can take responsibility and he can get he can like that and he can feel good about that really and i just thought that was just right. nice telling that smaller story well, he was in an, another film that came out a few years ago that I want to watch, and I think it's called uh, Big Time Adolescence. And he he played, I think it came out last year, and he plays someone who's about 20, 23, but he's got a friend who's 16, and there's like obviously quite an age gap between them, and how he's like a bad influence on, hmm. on his friend. Out, actually. Now I've, now I've learned who Pete Davidson is anyway. Yeah. I mean, some of his tattoos are a bit shit. I shouldn't judge, but they are pretty bad. <laughs> I like the I like the whole aesthetic he's going for. It's that kind of crumbum crumbum aesthetic from Staten Island. Well, it's good. Well, he just comes across as a guy that just doesn't give a fuck, and not in a horrible way. He comes across as a fairly decent person. I know what you mean. But he's but he's just a bit carefree. And he's just like fuck it. Like at the beginning of the film, like he's driving down the down the road. I actually thought that's quite powerful, actually. And he closes his eyes as he's driving down the oh, motorway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just keeps going for as long as he can yeah. without opening his eyes. And then, but yeah, good film. Good you watched film. anything else? God, I'm not even sure I have. Um, I was going to watch a 1971 film because I realised it came out in 1971, but I didn't get around to watching it. So I don't think I've watched anything else really. I watched well because it's um they've started doing Nora Ephron. Um, on blank check so i've started watching Nora efron films okay week. um and last weekend i watched two of them in a row because i watched her first directed film which is um it's my life i think it's called a film that like really doesn't it's exist it's my life it's, it's my life world. my world it's my <laughs> life <laughs> oh we're singing two different songs <laughs> which one are you singing it's my life that bon jovi one Yes, I forgot about that one. Is that when they're playing in the um playing in the subway underpass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, everyone gets like an alert on their phone that's that Bon Jovi's playing and they all have to run to go watch They're knocking your thirty two tens or light up. Yeah. <laughs> Quick Bon Jovi in the underpass. Do you remember when we went to see Bon Jovi? And I he do. played like all the hits at for up front and he played for three hours, so <laughs> yes. like for a good for a good two and a half hours, me and you were like going <laughs> so bored. What are these songs? I was so bored. I was getting increasingly more drunk because I was so bored. And then he finished. His encore was like three covers. Do you remember? Yeah. And it was like Lulu shout, fucking Stasis Crow rocking all over the world or something. Yes. And then another one I can't. It was it's so like, shit. At least hold on to some of your bangers till the end. To keep <laughs> us engaged till the very end. And he didn't like because he didn't play any just um, John. Bon Jovi songs. I'm not the biggest Bon Jovi fan. Like he oh. only played the band songs, didn't he? He didn't play any of his well, own ones. Well, his own songs were a bit more ballady. They yeah, may have fuck it, played. Fuck it, put it in the, there. Um, <laughs> like... They may have played some of his like his young gun stuff. Mm. But maybe, I tell maybe. you what, I can I can go on setlist FM and find it out if you want. I don't, I don't know. Okay, actually, go go for it. This will be an right. exciting. I'm looking for it now. If you can find out, with if I'm right about those encores, I'm very happy about my brain. We got there for free. I just remember. Did we go for free? Yeah, yeah. We we got free tickets off someone. I think Tim just bought about twenty tickets and was like, "Here you go." Yeah, I think so. So I shouldn't complain about the free gig of crap <laughs> music. But yeah, Julie, um, it's um, it's my life. Uh, Nora Ephron film starring Julie Kavanagh, who you know who that is, don't you? Simpsons. No. Yeah, yeah, Marge. Like yeah. the only film I've seen, only film she's like leading as Julie Kavanagh, and this film barely exists. It's quite easy to find; it's on Prime. 
but it's really good. It's really, really good. Like, it's really watchable, really funny. And it shocked me. I was like, this film that no one's ever mentioned, I shocked how much I enjoyed it. I shouldn't be. It's Nora Ephron. She knows what the hell she's doing. But um, I, I really, really recommend it. And it surprised me how much I just l- enjoyed that film. But because I enjoyed it so much, I decided to open some Prosecco and then I watched Sleepless in Seattle afterwards. So that's where you had a bit of a Nora Ephron run. Sleepless in Seattle is a good film. Sleepless is amazing. It is. It's a perfect film. Have you got that set list yet? Oh, mate, you should see how many gigs they've played. <laughs> they've played so many shows. I can't remember what year it was. Just, I'm on page 50 and I'm up to 2009. Can't you just so, type in Wolverhampton or something? Uh, oh, I, probably, I probably could actually. Dun, 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 dun. I'm assuming you can cut this out or it's going to be boring. Yeah, I'll cut it out. Oh, here we go. Uh, oh, yeah. June 24th, 2003. That would be the one. So, June. Do you want 20- to hear, hear this? Yeah, okay. I see how many actually sure. know the songs of. All right. First song was Bounce. <clears throat> no. S- second was You Give Love a Bad Name. Oh yeah, Three, yeah. Shot, is that shot through? Run away. Oh. Yep. Uh, every day, living on a prayer. Yep. Undivided. No. Keep the faith. No. Wanted dead or alive. I think yep. that's. I know that one. Is solo from. Who is it? I'm talking. I think shit, that's man. the one from. Wanted. That one. Dead yeah. Down, 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 down. Anyway, the distance. Nope. Uh, it's my life. Oh yeah, the the um, title track to the movie. Uh, misunderstood. Oh. Someday it'll be Saturday night. What? Just older. What? I'll be there for you in Not. these arms. What? Born to me, baby. What? I'll sleep when I'm dead with rocking what? all over the world. <laughs> there we go. I knew we played it. Raise your hands. No. The encore then was I Got the Girl. What? Captain Crash and the Beauty Queen from Mars. And what? then Bad Medicine with Shout. <laughs> yes, I remember Shout. See, I can't believe I can't believe you remember those. <laughs> well, I remember he played some songs I knew, and then, as just demonstrated, a whole bunch of shit no one's ever heard of, and Shout. Like, <laughs> so he made twenty-one songs last about three hours. This is the thing with these bands—they like noodle for so much in between songs and draw shit. Out it was so, so boring, and we were outside as well because it was the bloody stadium. Uh, yeah, when was it? Gig. June twenty-fourth. Like... So it's almost bloody what? 17 oh, years ago yeah wow look at that Nuts. we're old <laughs> we're old <laughs> we were young then uh, uh, we were young and didn't know anything about John Bon Jovi so anyway on this week's Bon Jovi cast what are we talking about so anyway in our little kind of adventure we're up to 1971 and we're going to talk about Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs but first um, just 71 in general it's actually kind of a Absolute killer movie for year, uh, oh, man, uh, killer yeah. year for movies. Um, any thoughts at the top of your head? Well, as I said to you before we started, uh, my one of my very favorite. It's in my top five, maybe of all time favorite films, and that's the French Connection. Oh, is film. an incredible film. It's yeah, so yeah. good. So like influenced so many films as well. Yeah. And uh, as I said earlier as well, I I own the first one and the second one on DVD and Blu-ray, but I've still yet to see the sequel. <laughs> I've never seen the sequel at all. I'd, I'd but, never um, even kind of even thought about putting it on. I was just, the, the first film is an absolute bona fide classic. It's wonderful. It won every award this year. 
like oh, it, yeah. you know, best picture director and you know screenplay got gene hackman as popeye doyle and um you've got um roy, Sch- roy schneider in it roy as schneider, well yeah yep i'm not sure if he was in the sequel but who um actually because gene hackman's obviously the lead but um yeah who it has a killer 70s this is the co- cool thing about the 1970s you get people like roy schneider and gene hackman and, and kind of um jack nicholson as well but i don't know if we'd actually do a jack nicholson film. well and dustin hoffman but and dustin so, hoffman that's what i mean their yeah, you 70s these guys, were just incredible yeah because i don't think of them as the actors they are in the 70s because they obviously then kind of do different roles i think of dustin hoffman we'll get to him as a comedic actor really well i guess but... robert de niro as well and al pacino they yeah. were like Bill in yeah, the yeah. 70s weren't they so it's so I much think joy watching still to this films. day those are their iconic roles are still yeah. from the 70s absolutely it's the roles people imitate and it's role people like think of when they think of them but I think of Gene Hackman the same way. The the conversation comes out oh, in nineteen seventy four, yeah, yeah. and he's wonderful in the in the conversation, and um, and he's wonderful in this as well. And I, that's it's just really cool, actually. These older actors, and I, f- who... I feel bad for these actors though, who are still alive now and they're still working. So I think um, obviously Gene Hackman is retired, mm-hmm. and Jack Nicholson has pretty much retired i think he keeps threatening to come back now and again i think he's but you know he, he needs to do one more role and he was he was threatened for when well, he was threatening he was going to do the um oh the, the remake of that uh french film or whatever german film yeah i just got the name yeah um which he, plays he would the dad's really good character of yeah like the yeah but it um i don't know i want i want to see him do one more because his last film is is god awful right something's got to give no 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 it's that it's bloody I'm going to have to look it up because I won't remember that. It's got a dumb title that he did. Just but I feel bad for some of these actors because they're still held on a pedestal for these films and they're kind of ridiculed in some of their older... Like, they're older people and they don't have the kind of... It might be harsh to say, but they don't have the drive they probably had in the 70s and the, the hunger they had to kind sure. of be the best actor they possibly could. Now they're just kind of enjoying themselves and just kind yeah, of... just working. So yeah. they kind of yeah, get yeah, people yeah. rag on them going, why is they not as good as they were in the 70s? I'm like, because it's not the 70s anymore and they're like, they're in their 70s and 80s now. <laughs> but <laughs> I, think that, I think it's one of the great things about Jack Nicholson, even though, how do you know what is the last one in the seven, in the 2010? That film's atrocious. But he's he's like 2000s. He nails it as an older man. Like, you know, about Schmidt... I love. Yeah. The Departed. He's great in The Departed. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And, you know, there's other films in there. Anger Management, you know, um, Something's Gotta <laughs> got Give. I think he's great in it. Um, then The Bucket List is a part of shit, but, you know. <laughs> and ha- But, like, at least he, he de- definitely could show that even well up to he, his retirement, he was, you know, still knocking him out of the park. And I think, yeah. I think Al Pacino, Robert De Niro are the same. They're allowed to do stupid comedies. I'm not, it doesn't matter. But when they want to take a role, they'll still do it. And, you know, the Irishman last year proved that, really. Well, proves they still got it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we're talking, like, the French Connection makes me think that, you know, William Friedkin, obviously the director. Um, oh, so yeah. So we'll be covering him later in this miniseries as well, actually, with um, with Roy Schneider. Cause we're looking he had a, an amazing career in the, yeah. in the 70s and then the, the early, and the 80s as well. I mean, yeah. to be honest, he's done some great stuff, like, throughout yeah. the years, but... Um, the Exorcist alone, which is you know, he does French Connection, The Exorcist, and then Sorcerer in the seventies. That is just an absolute incredible run of three. Films. Did he do Cruising as well? Yeah, he did Cruising in nineteen eighty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then To Live and Die in L.A. and you know his nineties yeah. went a bit odd, but 
<laughs> but like Bug, Killer Joe. I yeah. think a lot of the 70s directors found the 90s quite... Like John Carpenter as well had like sure. a real iffy 90s. I yeah. Think. Some of them like... I think... Um, who did the first Mission Impossible? What's his name? Oh. De Palma. He kind of had a decent 90s because he did the Untouchables. and Yeah. And I really like the first... Mission Impossible. I think it's Me too. Good. Me too. It's, it's wonderful. But yeah, not it's seventy one. What other films do you like from that year? Well, like, I can bash through a few without talking about it too heavily. But there's films that people will know, like absolute as absolute cultural icons or cultural moments, I should say. Like you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is two thousand one. Yeah. I mean, two thousand one, nineteen seventy one. You know, <laughs> Dirty Harry is is the same year. Clockwork yeah. Orange. I mean like that film yeah. is absolutely iconic it's related a lot to short dogs i think as well in its depiction of violence and stuff but um and stanley kubrick is stanley kubrick is amazing and we'll oh, get yeah, back yeah. to him as well like as in, later in the miniseries you've got diamonds are forever the last sean connery film came out this year well unless you count the one that he did that's not with eon productions no he did was. that he did that before diamonds are no forever. no no it was wasn't that like in what? the 80s never say never again yeah 83 you're right yeah with a very weird kind of um, story about that. Well, it's basically a remake of Thunderball, isn't it? And I think it was released the same time as Octopussy, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's it's not totally a remake. It's weird. It's um, yeah. basically the rights to Thunderball don't belong to just the estate, so they split off to two people. So the rights to Thunderball, the guy who co-wrote it was allowed to then write it again and release it. Uh-huh. So. So like it just it was a weird rights issue that meant that this James Bond character just didn't belong to the studios at the same time. Um, I've never seen it. Well, I've said to you like I've seen every Bond from um, Timothy Dalton till now, mm. but I think my Sean Connery and Roger Moore is severely lacking. So I've got this <laughs> box set that's just been sitting on my shelf for years. So I'm, my goal is to at least go try and do one a week. That's okay, my goal. Okay. So hopefully next week I might like at least. My, I'll do like my Bond minute or something like that. Sure, yeah. Update us on your Bond <laughs> adventure. Cool. I, I'm, so, not, yeah. I'm not the biggest Bond fan. I do like the Connery ones. I think they're really weird films, especially because it's the 60s. The stuff they glamorize, I find really cool. Like they glamorize like checking into hotels and stuff. And, and they'll they'll spend time showing you what a hotel room looks like or a bar looks like. Yeah, so they're, yeah, yeah. They're all like almost, almost like, like travel like log a, films. And, yeah, like a magazine, like a visual magazine yeah. kind of. And I, I really yeah. like that aesthetic about them. Um, the set, I, the seventies Bond, I don't really care for Roger Moore at all. Really, um, I don't care. But um, oh, is this when he became a ninja and stuff like that? Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just a bit meh. But yeah. um, but yeah, uh, other films this year because I can keep going. This is crazy. You get like oh yeah, you've got the last picture show Shaft. Yeah, 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 totally. The, the Androm- Andromeda Strain. You get T A T H X one one three eight comes out this oh, year oh yeah so. he's his first feature film yeah so building up to star wars you get like um you get bed knobs and broomsticks this year which i think all of yeah. us watched a hundred times with young you get steven spielberg's first movie jewel in this year yeah so yeah so you've got george lucas and spielberg get their first feature it's crazy films in the same year and all building up to these become these classic kind of films in in, in hollywood really you even get the dad's army film this year so you know <laughs> <laughs> Do they go on holiday in that? Whenever they do a sitcom, like t- a film, they always go on holiday. All I remember about the Dad's Army film is they get in a tank and they drive over some tents. It's the only thing I remember. That was what they spent all their money on. 
Do you know what film that came out this year that I've never seen, but a lot of films reference it, and it's Harold and Maud. I've never seen. Oh uh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I have never seen Harold and Maud actually. Oh well, we didn't do it. Two Lane Bricktop as well. Lots of shit. Get Carter. Man, it's Get a Carter. very influential year, wasn't it? It is. It's it's one of those just crazy years in film that like just dominate and and these things stick around forever, basically. Even talking about the Last Picture Show, which is a wonderful film as well. Anyway, this week we're not talking about any of those films because we've seen them all, but we are talking about uh, Straw Dogs. Okay, you've had your fun. I'll give you one more chance. And if you don't clear out now, there'll be real trouble. I mean it. This is David Sumner. All his life he's been running away, turning his back on trouble, involvement, and confrontation. Until now. There are five men out there. I know that. He took his wife and fled to an English country town. There was once a time, Mrs. Sumner, when you were ready to beg me for it. Take your hands off me. I'm doing. Hmm? Hmm? It's an animal. He thought he could find peace and refuge. Instead, he found that a man can't hide forever. I care. This is where I live. I will not allow violence against this house. Sam Peckinpah, who uncaged the Wild Bunch, now unleashes Dustin Hoffman in Straw Dog. Right, so Straw Dogs, to give a, a quick kind of, you know, a quick plot description, is uh, Dusty H, Dusty Hoffman. Dusty, Dusty Hoff, H. Dusty H. <laughs> he sounds like a wrestler. He is. Dusty Hoff. He um He's a academic who is living in Cornwall with his wife. Um, and all the local men are very scary people, and yeah. they. And one thing leads to another, and it ends up the film ends in a massive home invasion. That's kind of the plot summary, without going to yeah. points. So, yeah, it's uh, it is a. It I I said iconic a lot a lot already today, but it's definitely a film that has kind of permeated kind of through culture. Uh, the poster itself is something that I could think of without ever seeing the film before. Which poster are you thinking of? The one with his gla- broken glasses or the one where he's yeah. holding out the shotgun? Yeah, the one with the broken glasses. But even that image of Dustin Hoffman with the shotgun, that's a... And even the, the, the line reading then, well, just before then, like, what is it? I um, I won't I won't let violence in this house or something or pertain yeah. to this house. Yeah, that's such a... It's hard to think of Dustin Hoffman and not think of him delivering that line, really. Even if I never saw the film, I just know that that's like, yeah, that's an Oscar role kind of moment. That's like a, a you know, that's a that's a Jack Nicholson. Sorry, not Jack. That's a Robert De Niro standing in front of the mirror, like you, you're talking to me kind of moment for Dustin Hoffman, really. Well, it's brilliant then, because like then 15 minutes later, he's murdered everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking <ass>. spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, I I knew it as a kind of shock film. I knew that it was controversial. Um, and I knew that it got banned in the UK. That's really what I knew about it more than anything else. 
Yeah. And, um, I know we were just looking this up before we started, but it didn't get a home video release until 2002 in the UK. Well, un- I don't know if that was just for D. Yeah, there's probably a cut version on VHS yeah. or something, but yeah, an uncut version. Which is kind of insane, really, for a 70s film yeah, yeah. to take that long to have to come out. But um, it has a lot of quite controversial moments in that we'll get to. But um, I mean, what do you think? Before we bash down the kind of uh, the plot plot points, um, I really liked it. I definitely liked it. But there's definitely it's a product of its time, very much so, like the treatment of women in it and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, but that's at the heart of the film, though. I think that it's. I don't know if the film's trying to make you think about that, or if it's just those are the views of some of the of the filmmakers and i i couldn't really quite decide yeah i think maybe what... as we go through like, i'll have have some thoughts about it but for me it was it was hard to divorce the writing and the treatment of women in this from the filmmaker and it felt like the same thing it didn't like yeah. it didn't really feel like there was a lot of commentary on it it just felt like a bit of a misogynistic film um, yeah no I just I mean in terms of what I liked I thought it was visually it was well shot it oh, looked wonderful. great and do you know what I mean like yeah and yeah and the last bit of the film is is genuinely thrilling um and even the build-up all the, the build-up is kind of tension ranking and and you know it's it works and it's scary and I love all the creepy Cornish people um yeah, yeah. but the the well we'll talk about it when we get through but the rape scene in the middle I think is is really not even needed in the film, frankly. Um, well, it, it's not even in the book. Uh, that whole, I that whole that. section. So yeah, if you want me to just like briefly talk on the book, apparently the writer hates the the film. Okay. But then the uh, but Sam Peckinpah hated the book, and I think he quoted <laughs> is that he he took this rotten little book and made something out of it, basically right. to paraphrase him. So I mean, Sam yeah, Peckinpah is in... kind of that director. He makes movies about kind of men. Yeah, he did yeah, like, like the, the wild, the wild bunch, bunch and stuff, and stuff. Like. yeah like in, and I think you could look at this as a kind of critique on the modern man like the 70s man um he like yeah but he's 71 though so is that maybe, how can yeah, you true. critique the 70s man when it is like 60s really yeah <laughs> well I, I think like it's it feels like a feels like a film that's a reaction to kind of feminism and it feels like a film that is a reaction to kind of like that idea of a modern man like the man who's not He's not animalistic. He's he's refined. He's learned. He's he's you know all of those kind of elements. He's well dressed and stuff. And and but he fails to kind of well one he fails to treat his wife with any amount of respect at all. Oh yeah, st- like, <laughs> I was which just gonna say I don't understand. Like he's absolute like the character is horrible to the to his wife, and he also fails to kind of protect her, which I think is what the film's saying as well well i wasn't sure if the film was trying to make it out like i couldn't decide if the film were trying to was trying to portray him as a hero or a yeah, hero, or, yeah. or if do you know what i mean if they thought he was this is just how men acted i, I couldn't decide if that's what they were trying i to... think I, i'm the same I, I couldn't tell if the turn at the end was like him i wrote in my notes he, he breaking bad actually like it's like he yeah, went yeah. full breaking bad at the end but like I couldn't tell if the film was saying finally he's being a man and been a protect stuff, or the film was saying this guy is a lunatic, like and and we shouldn't shouldn't applaud this. I didn't really know what it was trying to say. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Will we ever know? I don't know. But yeah, going back to the book, the book was written by um, 
know who wrote it. Gordon M. Williams, and the book's called The Siege of Trencher's Farm. Trencher's Farm, yeah. And um, so it's very, it's still similar in the fact that it's an American with a British wife and they move to a Cornish village. Okay. Uh, he's an American professor of English, apparently. Yeah, he. And, this uh, is a, he's a professor of, I don't know. Is it astrological physics or something? I something. don't know. I, I wrote computer science down and realised it was 71. So I yeah, don't know what. Like... computer. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> he does Astral mention something like that. I'm sure he does. I, I, I don't know. He was just but like anyway, in the, I'm academic. That's what his character was. In the book, they have they're having like marital marital marital. What the fuck marital. am I saying? <laughs> 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 Why can't I say the word? Marital. <laughs> Tell me the word. <laughs> marital. Marital difficulties, okay. and they've got. A, They've got a daughter, I believe. Oh, okay. That would have made a difference. <clears throat> um, yeah, she's not... His wife's not raped in the book. And um, the... You know the young girl that's kind of... Killed. Always wearing... Yeah, she's killed. So in the book, she's actually like a mentally handicapped girl. Okay. Who at okay. some point goes missing. But okay. there's also a serial killer of children in the book who okay. has escaped prison or something like that. Right. And uh, the and character so in the film, that Justin just Hoffman's that. character plays, he hits the he hits this uh, murderer, and takes him back to his house. Word gets out that this uh, this murderer is yet is a just oh, his name's not Dustin Hoffman, obviously, but his house, <laughs> and yeah. um, and it shoot it just carries on. It then goes how the film went on with the family, you know, the the mob coming to kind of thinking that he's taken the girl. I see. I see. So kind of similar, but it's not the rapes not in it, and uh... it's funny because when he finally takes a stand in the film, I was a little bit like, "Why? Like, what? Why is like I, I didn't get anything from him to build up for him to decide to stand up for this character." Well, this is he... what I don't get. So they're all they're all in his house, and they're like, "Give him to us," and he's like, "No, no, he's not leaving this house." There's like three or four of them in that house. They could have just taken it. Yeah, but they don't want him to. They want. They don't want to just take him. They want him to hang him so. over. They want like. Yeah, I guess so. And he's going. No, I am Dustin Hoffman, and I. I will not stand for violence. Should we? Should we go through it a bit then? Kind of. Yeah, but I just. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about a little bit Dustin Hoffman before we go for it, actually because. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, first first time in the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Dusty Hoffman. Um, <laughs> he's kind of he kind of made a niche for himself in the in the sixties and then the seventies as well as as playing these kind of like neurotic kind of agitated performances and yeah like marathon man and stuff like that yeah yeah kramer versus kramer midnight cowboy yeah. president's men like graduate like all this kind of like um you know there's some energy to it but it's all this neuroticism and, and, and agitation and anxiety and i think they use that really well in this film i think that's what that's why i think his performance is so amazing in this because they take that kind of little neurotic energy of him and and twist it and twist it and twist it until it pops into violence which I think that I think that's that is brilliant. Basically, like it's like vivid yeah. in the way they use it, and and it's weird. I think I think I said earlier on that I don't even consider Dustin Hoffman. I consider him like a comedy actor. Like for me, I think of him as like um, Tootsie, like Tootsie, yeah, yeah, um, Hook, <laughs> Hook, crud, yeah. Even I guess like... Rain Man, I guess to an extent. Yeah, maybe. yeah, to an extent. I heart Huckabees and oh, wag yeah. the dog. Yeah, I heart Huckabees. Meet the fuckers. Um, 
lemony snickets, I guess. Strange and fiction. Well, I guess if you like, if you uh, look at his his cinematography, his like it's not cinematography, his like uh, filmography, <laughs> filmography before. Yeah. So he had the Graduate, Midnight mm. Cowboy, John and Mary, Little Big Man, then Straw Dog. So before that, he hadn't done anything. He hadn't done like all the Presidents Men, Marathon Man. Yeah, They're all a bit. True. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Midnight so Cowboy. yeah, this was probably like a turn for him, maybe to do something that was a bit more, a bit different. Yeah. Did he get nominated for this? He didn't get nominated for best actor. Because in Midnight Cowboys, you pimp him that. I can't remember. I I was thinking of rewatching actually when I was watching this. I know it's like a a buddy thing. It's John Voight, isn't it? And yeah, so it's yeah. John Voight's the. I think he's like the gigolo. I think. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen this for that Me film. Too. So. All I remember about Midnight Cowboy is it's what I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Yeah, (laughs) that's the actual film it's from, but everyone knows that quote. (laughs) And it was improvised. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, like literally they went across the road and and the taxi drove up and he just stayed in character and just did what New Yorkers do, basically. Yeah. Um, But there's no one else in this film, really. It's just Dustin Hoffman. But I, I thought he was great in it, really. Apparently, um, the the fi- who's the actress who plays his wife? It is uh, Susan George. She found him quite difficult to work with, apparently. Okay, because you know he was quite intense. Like, sure. so I don't know about his processes for this film, but I know for like the Marathon Man, just to kind of work himself up to kind of a scene with um, was it Lawrence Olivia in that film? Yes. Yeah. So he'd be like he'd run around he would run for miles just to kind of or just run run for a long time to to get the sweater up and build himself up. Wow. And I think the famous story is that Lawrence Olivia just goes, Have you tried act acting? Have you tried acting? Yeah, that's what that's from, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, boy, yeah, have you he, tried acting? So I think a lot of these actors in the late sixties and seventies, like, you know, Marlon Brando up to like uh, you know, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, they all come from that um Who's that famous uh, method actor? I know exactly who you mean, and I won't pull it. But yeah, I um, that that intensity, that method, that method technology with it. It's that famous book that I think. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> it's Slatters Va- Slatters Vasky or something like that. It's like Stanis, a Stanis 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 Yeah, the method. I can't say that. Yeah, I uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's where method comes from. So, like, you know, I guess people nowadays, more, Christian Bale's kind of a bit like that, isn't he? Yeah, Christi- yeah, yeah, true. I think Daniel Day-Lewis is the famous one. Yeah, I think um, a lot of actors kind of grow out of it a bit, but obviously Daniel Day-Lewis kind of... I mean, he's quit acting apparently now, but he kind of... He, he kept. Yeah, that's true. But, like, um, I think... There's yeah, Tom Hardy's a bit like I think probably probably a bit like that as well. Adam Driver I know is as well. Um they just kind of envelop yeah. a role really. They, you do get the bad side of you get the Jared Leto's out there and stuff like that who don't really understand the difference between like method and, and then just being yeah. an asshole on set. Like there is a difference to that. But, <laughs> um Like apparently she said that, you know, he you know, he was quite humorous and he would like pull pranks and stuff, but she said I think when it came to the acting, he was quite intense. And I think, you know, if you're just an actor who does this for a job, which, you know, I'm sure you're passionate about it, but then you've got this person who is pretending, not pretending that they're that character, but they're living as if they are that character probably would be quite 
it, tiring. It probably, yeah, it would probably be quite tiring. Making a film is difficult anyway. It's probably much harder when it feels like you're quite isolated on set because your co people you're working with are quite you know intense or standoffish or kind of loner, and um, which is probably what a lot of method things is. So it's probably probably that kind of thing. I'm guessing. I mean, I feel I feel bad for Susan George on that film though because she had quite a rough deal in the film with what happens yeah. to her and the way her character's treated. And apparently Sam Peckinpah wasn't exactly that nice to her. No, and apparently, actually, Dustin Hoffman didn't want her to play the part. He, uh. he said, don't hire her. And I think it's because he didn't want to have... He's, I think his quote was, I didn't want a Loita-ish kind of wife in the film. So like a young, pretty okay. girl. Do you know what I mean? He wanted it is, of... She does feel a lot younger than him in the film. I did think that was just a product of... Because he's, um, he's like, what, 20, 30 years older than her in real life, I think? Um, I think so. She was, yeah. She's 70 now, I think. About 10 years older, I'd say. She's 70 and he's, what, 89? 82? No, he's about 82, I think. So, so yeah. yeah. There is that. There, I did feel like a gap on, on But I guess film, at but... that point, a 20-year-old with a 32-year-old, however old they were at the time of making that film, yeah, that is quite a it considerable was... age gap. It was one of those things that I saw in film thinking they do feel like they've got an age gap, but it's the 70s and what am I going to expect out of most of these films? So, you know, I tried not to kind of worry about it really. But but like as soon as she appears in the film and she's wearing like, you know, a top with no bra and I was like, well, here we are. It's the 70s. Here we go. That whole stuff, <laughs> like the, the whole the way that she is in this film is is bizarre because like I, I couldn't tell if the film was saying that she is like deserving of the violence against her because she, you know, she plays yeah. up to it and, or, you know, she doesn't act like a nice lady or something. And that made me really uncomfortable. And I couldn't, t- I, I feel like that's what the film was doing. And it, at least it didn't do anything to make me think differently. And well, I felt, I felt bad for a character. Like, you know, she like she wants to spend time with her husband and be yeah. in his office yeah. because one, because she's got four guys outside who are perving on her the whole time. Yeah. And she's yeah, probably yeah. quite lonely, even though she, I think she states she grew up in that area. She did. Yeah. 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 And they've come back to it. But, um, yeah. And, and the, just like, you know, I want to be alone in my, like alone in my office and stuff like that. And just like, but then he treats her like a child because yeah she does some childish things like she rubs out some of his workings out on the board and stuff but you know that's just playful i mean you know that's what you do in a relationship you do play with each other yeah i feel like that it's like he plays with her but when it's on his terms yeah it was so when she wants to do on her terms it's like it was so weird to me it was like i kept on watching going are they saying that she's like because she's childish and stupid that she kind of deserves to be kind of like this and that scene when she takes a bath and she's just got a top off and all the men are outside staring at her and it's just played like you know well you know she's got it coming to her then and i was like is that what it's doing because if it is what it's doing i really don't like this but i will say like there is a um um quite a good feminist reading of this film it was written by a a critic at um little white lies and um um, I can't remember Elena Lazic, her name is. I follow her on Twitter, and she and it's worth reading the article because I think she does a really good re kind of discussion of the film and a really good new take on how you can read it. She makes it very clear that knowing Senpakenpal, it's not what he was at going for, <laughs> but um, you can read this in a kind of feminist way. As and she's 
empowering herself in this film kind of thing because her husband's so useless basically and won't kind of look out for her and won't kind of do anything yeah um but i can't summarize that article it's really good but i would recommend checking it out actually for a different opinion a different point of view Um, but again like the other girls sexualized in it as well like she's she's made out to be quite young because she's hanging out with all the young boys and stuff mm. but she's wearing like you know tiny skirts and like you know she's obviously flirting with dustin hoffman and then the uh the guy with the uh you know the mentally handicapped guy yeah which her character in the book i guess was a a mixed so in the film she's a mixture of that character yeah um uh, this film ends in a i want to talk about before we pass for the plot actually this film is a home invasion film and a home invasion is one of those things that in society is sold as like the big terror especially in america oh yeah yeah. um and uh i was interested in what the origin of like home invasion was because in reality it's not a thing (laughs) like there's there isn't a law that's like home invasion there isn't like a crime that's called home invasion often when these stats come out about what home invasion is it's a mix of like every crime basically that can happen in a house and uh but there are like burglary burglary homicide is kind of what the closest to a home invasion is and there's about a hundred of them every year in america which is absolutely nothing compared to you know anything else in america like you know suicide death by cop or whatever you like like um but the culture in america definitely is that you are scared of this it's going to happen to you and you need a gun to protect your family because this is going to happen and i was wondering if this film stoked that at some point um so i did a bit of research and between 1920 and 1970 so it's 50 years there were 20 films 22 films that that home invasion films okay between 1970 and 2020 which is another 50 years there were 165 films about <laughs> oh home God. invasions like, home alone the, one of them yeah probably I, I couldn't i didn't go for every one of them i just took stats quickly off sites but it seemed like like that kind of culture of how to protect your home and family is like writ large and, and it's and in the 70s i think it rockets and it becomes a thing that you have to be scared of and i don't know if it's entirely to do with this film but I wondered if some way this film getting released in that point kind of rockets this thing into cultural memory. And I did look it up. The first time home invasions use the term is the 20s. And it and it definitely gets kind of ramped up around this time to being something you need to be scared of. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I've got no, I got no solid facts on this, but I did. it made me think about what... Because no. I, I was wondering, because obviously Sam, Sam Peckinpah's American, I didn't know if he brought some of that sensibility over to the UK to make this film. Do you know what I mean? In, in, you know, putting that into it. I know that's in the book as well, but if you're sure. kind of ramping that up. But if you're saying it wasn't as commonplace or in terms of film and... Yeah, it wasn't I mean, really. Real yeah, it wasn't. Just wasn't a most. It wasn't as regular as we would think of it now, anyway. Whereas I think you could name a billion home invasion films now, and they're they're very popular. They're even you know even like Parasite, you could probably call a home invasion film. Well, yeah, and, and so, like Your Next and stuff like that, yeah. and The Strangers and stuff like that. Uh, right. What was I going to say? Apparently, Sam Peckinpah didn't really want to direct this film because. I think his last, the film he did after the Wild Bunch, I forgot what it was called, but um, he went like three million over budget, which back then was a lot of money, and uh, like went over by like 
couple of weeks on shooting so uh, warner brothers refused to like work with him again oh, right. so we found it hard to kind of get uh, work at bigger film studios so he was kind of pat garrett maybe was that much earlier um, i can't remember not sure i'm not was. massive uh the the ballad yeah. of gable Hope. oh okay right he's um, an old school director though like he, yeah he, like you wouldn't call him like a 70s director as such because he'd been he was working for like for years before this since like the 50s i think as a director yeah i'm just trying to think he has he hasn't he didn't do much really did he after what's he do after pat garrett is the one i always think about pat garrett and the billy kid well, which is after this well because he died almost 10 i think 10 years after this film was made right. So he wasn't, you know, died before he was 60, I think. I know he's got a slightly bad reputation about as a kind of person to work with and, and maybe a, his views on societies and stuff like that. Well, I think like I said, in the Susan film. George found him hard to yeah. work with. Anyway, to so, the, um, we go for the plot because it opens up with like Dustin Hoffman just outside that pub and him and his wife have bought a bear trap. Yeah, and you think, oh, hang on a minute, that's gonna come back again later on. I wonder if this might be a thing. Chekhov's bear trap. Hang on, I'm gonna make a big noise now. Ah, that sounds satisfying. Right, okay. So, plotty, plotty, bear trap, which uh, is, I think, one of the weirdest things anyone's bought from a charity shop. That in, is that where it came in, from? I don't know. They said it's like second hand or something, and and. She he says something like, "Well, the wife likes these." You know what we <laughs> have a lot of in England? Bear traps, bear traps. <laughs> bears. Yeah, like, it's it's huge. It, it's not like I was like bear trap. This would capture like a car. Like this is like an <laughs> elephant trap. Like I was like, what the? Maybe it is an elephant trap. I don't know. Like it was like um, God. I thought it was. I like, didn't even know it was a bear trap for ages as well. I just couldn't even work out what it was. I was like, why are they just putting a huge lump of iron in this tiny car? I like how it's got one of those pubs that, like, a proper British pub, mm. a bit like in um, American Werewolf or whatever, that as soon as you walk mm. in, everyone stops. Everyone's weird on edge, like... To look oh. at and they're all weird and a bit off. And that's where we're... we're, we're ah, ah, I can't believe I forgot this. Welcome back to the show. Peter Vaughan is in the oh, film. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the he first guy we've had who's repeated for us as an actor. Like, Could be. I couldn't think of anything else, but yeah, Peter Vaughan from Remains of the Day and Aemon Targaryen or whatever from Game of Thrones. Like he plays Tom in this, who's like the the kind of matriarch, matriarch, patriarch of that kind of family that ends up attacking Dustin Hoffman at the end. And uh, I, I couldn't quite figure out what he does. Is he just like the, just the town heavy, <laughs> yeah, like just town drunk or whatever? Town drunk gangster guy. In, yeah, who's got some boys? He's got his boys. He's got his boys. Who, they, he who happen like the to be working on Dustin Hoffman's house. Yes, but it's weird because it's not his house. He's obviously renting it, so I don't know why. No, I thought they bought he's it. He's paying them. I don't know. Anyway, and I don't know whatever's going on. But that Peter Vaughan in that in the in the in the pub at the beginning when he's demanding another pint, <laughs> he ends up like smashing the glass in his hand because he yeah. might give him another pint. I was like, this is definitely what happens in Cornwall if you try and stop drinking in midday. <laughs> like, but in this opening off. scene, you are introduced to everybody in the film. So yeah, you are actually. That's the, true. The handicap, the mentally yeah. handicapped guy, the young girl who the he young girls, later yeah. on. The cop. Uh, the, the cop, as well. yeah, the major or whatever his name yeah. is. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then the, the boys and... Uh, and the little uh, gang. You know that um, his wife and 
I'm never good at character names. I know his wife and the son of Peter Vaughan used to date as well. Well, it, it, they just, they mentioned that he tried to get it on with her, so I don't know if it's trying to imply that he's tried to rape her before, or or at least when they were younger and he tried to kind of. I you yeah, maybe I, don't know. I I saw it as it went that once they were. She seemed uncomfortable around him. Yeah, but come on, he fucking leans in the car like and puts his entire hand around her neck. That's like. Well, yes, what I mean. So he's he's obviously yeah, he, threatening. So I imagine he was like that several years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. He really looks like... I think he really looks like Peter Vaughan as well. I thought it was good So casting. Peter Vaughan is called Tom Hedden. That's it, Tom. That's what I was trying to think of. There's And then Charlie, I think, is his son. It's not yeah, his Charlie. son, is it? But it is Charlie, no, the one got, who dated got, her. But, yeah, Charlie, yeah. yeah. None um, of them are his sons. They're just all... So his son is the... is the Well, his daughter's the girl who gets killed. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I believe so. Hang on. Let me have a look. I might be wrong. I assumed it was his daughter. I just thought they just kind of were just a bunch of drunk men who were looking for excuse to kill people. So Len Jones, Bobby Hedden, so that's his son. I'm not sure which one he is. Is that the one who? Oh, that's the young boy. I think that's the young boy that kind of hangs out with the girl. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And then Janet Hedden. So this is his son and his daughter. So there we go. I didn't really, I didn't really take people's names in in this. It was one of those films where I just watched. I knew the characters, and I didn't really like the names weren't that important to me. When you know who the actor is, sometimes it's hard yeah. to disconnect. You just, oh, it's just a Hoffman driving around in a white car. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, you know, yeah, what? You, you you forget their names. You know, when he buys a pint, he he the guy charges him. He just goes, "That'll be a quid," I think. And yeah, with the he goes with the cigarettes as well. Yeah, and he goes, how, uh, well, here's 30 bob. So yeah. He, how much is 30 bob? Let's have a look. <laughs> Am I the worst English person in the world? Well, before before me and Caroline got married, my dad gave us a present and it was an envelope full of money. Oh, God. And like we opened it because he goes, you know, congratulations on getting married. <laughs> Basically, we opened it up and there was about 100 one pound notes, but like oh. from old money. <laughs> Oh wow! That's so, cool. And he found it when he was in a job, and it was all stuff behind a um, a fireplace. Huh. Okay. So, how much is a quid, a bob, and a crown? So let's have a look. So. Okay. Apparently, a bob is a shilling, which is twelve pence. Okay. Uh, this hasn't helped me. <laughs> I don't understand old money. <laughs> it's. I like so, I like metric. How much is thirty bob then? It's thirty shillings, which is thirty times twelve. Is that right? Am I doing that maths right? So it's like three hundred and sixty pence. Yeah, so it's like so it's three pounds sixty. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. This is this isn't how old money worked, was it? I'm just making this up. I don't know. Because anyway. it wasn't long after that it converted, didn't it? Wasn't it? It can't it was be. Like... Yeah, it can't be. I didn't know they were still using crowns and bobs and whatever the potatoes or whatever in the seventies. I think it was <laughs> the same year that it changed. I'm pretty sure it was like seventy one. Well, I don't know. But anyway, things were cheap. <laughs> yes. Um. So kind of. Oh, that's the the thing that makes me laugh. So they kind of leave the pub after everyone's really creepy. Then after Tom throws his weight around. 
um, they go back home where there's a very weird driving scene. Uh, well, no, before they... that, though, it's known that the... Um, so the the guy who's mentally handicapped, his father is the... is I've forgotten who his name is. Uh, anyway, so, so the, the heavies led by Tom are kind of... They're pressurizing the the major to arrest the son or, or have him locked away because yeah. they think he's a, th- a potential threat. I think there's an element he's a paedophile and he might have you know been inappropriate with kids before. The well, what I gathered really was that, he's but... obviously mentally handicapped, so he probably doesn't know quite what's mm. right and what's wrong. This is what I kind of gathered. I might be totally wrong about. I, I would it. say, in a seventies point of view, they're demonizing mental illness. But like... yes, I agree. But. Um... But he clearly, they, there's suspicions that the, the town thinks that he, you know, will um, bother Do kids. Yeah. yeah, particularly. Yeah, and they're setting all that up as well. It is true that they I set will, everything up right at the start of the film. I will say this. I don't think sometimes I'm very good at reading things. So, like, looking back at uh, Wanda from last week, and I was like, oh, her ex-husband was a nice guy. And then looking back on it, thinking about it, he kind of, it, it kind of suggests that he... He chose a woman just to look after his kids, so he seems like a bit of an asshole. Do you uh, know what I mean? So, like, yeah. we'll have to. Th- I sometimes have to think about these things. Sure. Well, we anyway, to. I'm gonna. I think we're gonna mess stuff up all the time, and hopefully, if, you know, people correct us if we're idiots. But <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, let's get them to the house. <laughs> they get to the house, and there's a bunch of uh, more weird people from Cornwall. Who are oh, you know the car it. scene you're on about, where he kind of like he crawls <laughs> out the window and or jumps out of it and then jumps they back start in the tickling car each other in the car and then attacking each other as they're driving along, and then he kind yeah. of jumps out the window and then crawls back into the top. I guess it's meant to be they're meant to show that they're in love. I tell you what, living in weird. the UK, we've all driven on roads like that though. This is this whole film is like living here. Yeah, it's just, there's a bit it's... later on where they overtake a, a van. <laughs> like, which is just driving here. <laughs> like, they kind of get swerved off the road and they're all kind of piled up and there's just mud everywhere. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yep. Yep. But so, we... yeah, they've got a load of guys working on their roof of their, like, like their garage. Uh, yeah, I think so. They've got know. a rat catcher who's there all the time. Like, <laughs> how many fucking rats amazing. have they got? <laughs> Smell a rat, see a rat, kill a rat. That's me. <laughs> And he goes and he has... around laughing like the Joker or, I don't know, Salacious Crumb because the whole way through <laughs> the film. Why, like... why does he start wearing a fake nose for the rest of the film? That's what, yeah, because he's at the party later on and he's wearing that red Joker he kind of nose and he's just giggling around like, it's like he's, there's something not right with him because he's like <laughs> cycling around on a tricycle at the end of all this love... home invasion. I wrote that as one of my notes that the, the most terrifying things happens in the in the siege at the end is they ride a tricycle into the greenhouse. <laughs> but I'm sure someone else gets another tricycle they and they're like racing they start around. racing like, around the house on like, tricycles. What's going on? I mean... <laughs> oh, these are the builders. One of the builders has stolen her underwear, which is weird, I think. Yes. <laughs> I think that's not good. I don't think that's Which what one steals it? Is it the one who I think it's the one who ends up raping her. her. Yeah, yeah. No, hang on. which people. one this is the second one the second guy rapes her yeah yeah so she gets raped by her ex-boyfriend and gets raped by this builder guy yeah. and he does one at gunpoint as well it's freaking horrible like yeah. um but like it made me laugh that the, the the cornish guy was talking to dustin hoffman and goes it, it's i hear it's pretty rough in the states sir rioting bombing sniping shooting the blacks can't walk down the street they say sir and i was thinking well that seems apt right now 
That seems to be exactly the same story. Um. So yeah. So what's next? Uh. Blah, 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 blah. Um. Oh yeah. I think we just see them in there, like how they they live in the house. Really, don't they? You, you find out they've got a cat. Yeah, the um, cat goes missing multiple times in this film, and eventually is found dead. Yes, that's the, they that's do. The story they do. The cat. Oh, he does get the the handyman guys to help put the bear trap upon the wall. Oh yeah, in a very like it's already scene, ready actually. with its brackets already to place upon the wall above the fireplace. No one's seen I hated in this film, and okay, the yeah. rape scene's horrible. That's very true. There is a scene when Dustin Hoffman decides to attack the cat for no reason continuously. Yeah, just throwing fucking just throwing fruit at, at the cat, and like you actually see him hit the cat on screen, and then later on it's just meowing off screen. Just sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? Why? What? Why? Why was he throwing like melons at the cat? I don't understand. I don't know. I find it I so weird. I... This, this, the, the characters in this. So yeah. Um, then they have he's... sexy chess. <laughs> yeah, where he's like getting her off underneath <laughs> while she's making yeah. a move. When she's trying to, she's reading a chess book and trying to decide how to combat him because he's such a genius or something yeah he's so good at chess he's so amazing that he can do sexy and chess at the same time i was it i bet i can get my ready for bed quicker than you can make your move make your next move i do my exercises he got his little skip rope out didn't he he was jumping around yes. in the corner <laughs> nothing like a bit of skip rope before some sexy times gets everyone <laughs> turned on um, he's such an asshole this character is he's such an, a, a weird asshole nerd yeah, but that's what I said. I just don't know whether the film thinks or wants you to like him, think he's a good guy. I don't or, know. Or yeah. what? I, I don't know. It's a, I guess it's just it's generally a massively misanthropic film, like, and it's I guess yeah. it's generally trying to say that everyone deep down is an animal. Everyone is like broken. Everyone's a dick. Everyone's like an asshole, and they all and and everyone will just at some point um, fall to violence. I guess is that yeah. that's what it's doing. I mean, similar like we mentioned Clockwork Orange earlier. But with this film and Godric Orange coming out the same year, there must have been this kind of undercurrent in, in 1971 yeah. about like just this violence of man or the like the inherent need for men to be violent or something. And maybe maybe that was a big discussion around the pubs in 1970 or something. But it seems like a very similar kind of world. What goes on after this then? Oh, they um, they go duck hunting. Oh yeah, I think we're missing some bits, but there's a lot of them just back in the house while he's trying to work, and then, you know, she's obviously just hanging around with him because she, you know, she wants to be with her husband, yeah. or she wants to, like I said earlier, she wants to avoid the the lecherous guys outside. Yeah. Um, but he kind of he just wants when he's in that office, he clearly just wants to be left, left alone. alone. So he and the, yeah, the cat whatever. goes missing, and she asks him to go talk to the builders because they would have. Oh, not the cat dies. They find it hanging in their cupboard, don't they? Yeah, um, but they're looking around for the cat for a while, and yeah, you know, she's asking. But I mean, like, the cat. once they find the dead cat, then she wants her, her him to go confront the builders, and he won't do it. And that's the big. Yeah, because he cl- he there. claims, oh, it could have been anyone because we left yeah. the doors unlocked. Anyone could have come into our house. And then you have that weird scene when they're putting the bear trap up, as she comes in with some beers and a bowl of milk. And yeah, he- okay, this bowl of milk is so <laughs> fucking deep. <laughs> I'm surprised the cat didn't just die of drowning, drowning. in milk. <laughs> you could feed like a party of cats with this bowl of milk. <laughs> and like he gets really offended at this. Like it's the worst thing that's ever broken his fragile masculinity in the world that she's done this. He gets so put, put, like angry and put off by it. 
I've got on my notes. Did I catch you off guard? And I can't remember what that means. Well, good. <laughs> so if that was a line in the film, anyway. <laughs> I said I, I I've got a note in the film that says this film is about the paranoia that the middle class have when builders are working at their house and they're laughing at you. <laughs> There's so much in this film where they just cut to the builders laughing and Dustin Hoffman's like, mm, they're laughing they at me, are, they're making a joke about me. To be fair though, they are like, they're proper charlatan like workers though, because how long it takes them to do that roof or whatever, and like why it takes Months, four of them apparently. to do that small um, <laughs> yeah. roof. And then the rat catcher's just hanging around all the time and... I, love, I, I do like the at the end though that the rat catcher was obviously was catching say, yeah. rats just to throw in the window. He's a proper supervillain, like the rat guy. He is. He chucks in a rat nose. at the end of the film, like this is my gimmick. I've got to throw one in. Um, gets, yeah, duck hunting, which I thought yeah, was so, kind of funny that like it was a switch that all the British people are really comfortable with guns and the American wasn't. Which yeah, just that's never going to be true, frankly. So yeah, they say to him like, you know, we'll lure the ducks or the the birds to you. Um, yeah, you stay here. We could be a while though, which is obviously a ploy because one of them, well, we find out two, two of them. them. One of yeah. them goes to to well rape his wife essentially. Yeah, so he goes back to meet his. She he's her ex, and yeah. they have a rape scene which is very long, very uncomfortable, very weird. And well, the... yeah, it's like it's like we said earlier. Like at some point, it seem it's it's made to look as if she's kind of getting into it and enjoying get, getting it. Getting yeah. into it, it's bad. I do. I didn't like. I didn't not. I did not. No, but it was a very. I didn't because I. You know, I haven't. I all I knew about this film was it was a home invasion film, and I thought. Yeah, same much. I thought the reason why it was banned or severely was edited the home invasion was, the, stuff. Yeah. was the violence at the end. Same. Not this rape scene. Not this. Yeah. So this was controversial at the time, and this is why it was banned for years in the UK. Is why it had multiple cuts in the UK as well, um, because this scene is is very long, and I think it's hard to argue it isn't glorifying rape, or at least, um, you know, showing it as erotic in some way. So I, th- I think the edits come. In the fact they edit out the second rape, so okay. I, I, I so I believe the first one was left in there in some state, whether or not That's that was cut as well. Yeah. But they edited out the second one where the so guy yeah, basically when the second guy comes in, he holds them at gunpoint and forces the boyfriend to hold her down while he the rapes her. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ex-boyfriend. Sorry, um, it's what I found. Because so before this though, he's slapping her around the first guy, the ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's hitting her, and I just had this, had this weird like because she is such a weird character in this, and you know, there's I, it felt like the film was saying that she was asking for it or she deserves it mentality, and that's what made it worse for me to watch. It's so much different than the rape scene we watched in like a, uh, a Perfect Blue, which is traumatic and it and it shows you this is traumatic like the filming yeah. of this didn't feel properly traumatic to me i mean it did feel traumatic i just meant the the filming of it felt like it was a bit kind of um it was pl- glorifying it it was a bit erotic it was a bit of fun for the audience almost yeah they kind of did it in that kind of titillating 70s yeah, kind of way yeah. like you know like I don't want to say like a carry-on film because it's not like that. But, but it was shot in of... a certain amount of eroticism. Yeah, like those kind of like Emmanuel or like... Yeah, sure. 
those soft focusy kind of yeah. blousy kind of i don't know but it, yeah soft it, core it's things. definitely the the hardest bit of the film and you know what makes it harder as well like which this is definitely purposeful but i had struggled to understand why it's this it makes no difference to the film yeah it, like, did, it doesn't need to be in there it's that's not the, the reason why dustin hoffman protects his house at the end it's not because these I people thought, have raped his wife. That's he what I thought know. it was. No, he never finds out. He, like, he she she is suffering from trauma for the rest of the film, but she never really or like says it out loud to anyone. It's just like a, a massive traumatic incident happens to her. She carries it for the rest of the film, and she ends up killing someone at the end of the film. But like, it's just a punishment on this woman. It's just a horrible, horrible things happen to this woman, and it's and. I couldn't believe it just makes no difference. I couldn't believe that the same people that raped her come attack the house at the end, but it doesn't matter. It's not about the rape. It, I found I mean, that the, so weird. The ex-boyfriend does try and ease the situation. He tries to kind of, I assume, so things don't get too violent because he obviously has some feelings towards her. Yeah. He doesn't want to, I mean, that's what I kind of gathered they were trying to get out. But anyway, I'm jumping ahead. Sure, yeah. There, there was there was some decent editing in there in the fact that like there was some decent like flash cutting between other moments and stuff like that mm. during that sequence. But, but that yeah, goes. It was, that, it's a long scene as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's unnecessarily long. But again, like you said, it's it's just unnecessary. It feels it, and and I'm, I'm, it feels it. I get like the kind of it's about it's a film about how horrible the souls of people are and stuff but um it was i couldn't imagine putting that script together and just deciding a rape scene happens in the middle that we're never going to come back to or deal with i mean i can't imagine being an american and then watching this film and thinking yep i want to go to cornwall in the uk well that's the thing the the, where they shot it a lot of the extras a lot of the extras are just people lived in the village in cornwall i can't remember the village name they hated this film when it came out because they didn't know it was this you know, they're just yeah, like, oh, a imagine. nice American film shooting here, like, brilliant, like, and then they end up in this film that's about like rape and like home invasion and tons of violence. Like, it's they weren't fans. Yeah, I can imagine. So, um, after this scene is the 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 highlight of the Cornish calendar, the church party. Well, yeah, we've missed a bit where he <laughs> he meets up with the reverend and his wife. Oh yeah, sure, that's yeah, sure. And, and he's an and asshole to them as well. Yeah, and he pro- he's another character with pretty bad British teeth that kind of <laughs> goes along with the stereotype. But uh, yeah, he literally takes money out of uh, David's hands, pretty much, doesn't he? He's like, that'll mm. do. It's but I thought this scene was really quite well done, actually, though. To be honest, the party scene. Edit- because it had this like kazoo like the kids yeah. so basically it's like in a church hall and the kids yeah. are eating dinner and they're like eating jelly and stuff like that but tom vaughan has got like a sorry tom vaughan tom or you know uh, has got a massive pint of just the punch <laughs> it's good <clearly Yeah>. <laughs> but the they're kids have got getting... these kazoos and it's almost like it's um amy's you know susan george's characters her mindset of just her screaming because it's just these yeah, kazoos that yeah, are just yeah. constantly screaming and then it keeps fla- like every so often it keeps flashing back to the um to the, to the trauma and the rape yeah yeah and yeah. like because this is a 70s film the sound's kind of a little bit tinny a bit kind yeah of how sounds used to be. yeah so i was listening to it with my headphones and it was just piercing it was just like <laughs> this kazoo noise down my ears like oh my god <laughs> i am um, i liked how the party was there and you got the vicar doing dumb tricks 
and stuff like, and people singing and stuff but you never saw the tricks you just heard him doing them like you knew exactly what dumb <laughs> magic tricks yeah. he was doing but they never the, fo- the camera never focuses on it you just hear it constantly in the background and people laughing and but like and then groups of people are laughing and they're they're still intimidating and it's like it's not a friendly party for like oh them to yeah, be yeah. well because we 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 forgot to mention that he's fired the the workers at this point oh sure yeah so, so they're, he's they're... like so yeah he hasn't fired them because he's they've two of them no. have raped his wife he's fired <laughs> them what's he fired them for just uh, because just being they're slow just being slow yeah and laughing at him i don't know i think because you think, oh, that's another instigating reason why they would come back anyway. Maybe okay. he underpaid them. Like again, he they didn't need that rape scene. It didn't no. add anything. It, it. I mean, yes, it made the villain villainous characters even more villainous and horrible. That's a proper fridging thing. That is. Isn't but I'm it? sure like, they could do something else to yeah. make them look just as bad. That it's didn't like have a proper like that. just no, violence against women just to just to exactly they didn't need they didn't, didn't they need it. something else no it's it's not going to lead to anything it's just pointless trauma yeah um especially because it had no res not resolution but it had no like it, at it least doesn't husband... reverberate for the rest of the film really yeah it's, it does i mean hurt, a bit later but... a bit later on when the the second rapist gets into the bedroom yeah, yeah. He kind of insinuates to the other guy, shall we gang rape her again? I don't know if Dustin Hoffman heard that. Then he kind uh, of clicked on that. Oh, has this happened before? I don't know. Dustin Hoffman doesn't but really... I, I don't think he ever clocks onto anything in this. No. I mean, she kind of mentions it, kind of, when kind they're talking of. in the bedroom afterwards. He can't, yeah. she kind of... She says some comments under her breath, but he's more what? bothered about being, I don't know, stood up or whatever at the uh, the shooting area. Yeah, he's more bothered about his fragile he, ego. His, yeah, his ego, yeah. yeah. And, and doesn't care about her at all. He doesn't. Like, he's an awful boyfriend in this film. So, yeah, in this scene anyway, at this party at the church hall, so Janice, who's the daughter of Peter Vaughan's character, she kind of comes up to David, doesn't she? And, you know, I don't know what she thinks she's going to achieve by going up to a married man in front of his wife. <laughs> But um, but obviously she feels a bit rejected, so she goes to the the guy with the mental the mentally handicapped guy. I've forgotten his name. I can't remember. Either. Yeah, I found it but, so weird that he she went off. Was he him. John Niles? No. Was yes, it, it was Niles? Niles. Yeah, yeah. So she leads him into a room like nearby or in the cellar or something. Yeah, it's like a barn or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cornwall. There's bars. There's bars. So the dad realizes she's gone missing. They all start calling for her, looking for her, because I think one of the kind of his henchmen, I think the rat boy kind of says, oh, he left with yeah, Niles, John Niles. Niles and he was letching all over her, where he wasn't really. She was the one who came on to him, I guess. Yeah, which is, again, I found that really anti-women. Yes, something. agreed. Just, Second, again, yeah. yeah. I found it really I pref- odd. I, I prefer how the book works. I mean, yes, he's a a paedophile murderer in the book. I don't think he's, I don't think that's seen in the book. But like, no one's getting raped or, or trying to. I but don't know. They they start looking for him, and he basically accidentally kills her. Do you know what that reminded me of, though? Go on. Uh, of mice and men, George. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I he's like a mentally yeah. handicapped guy who kind of accidentally murders a woman when I think they're looking for her and stuff. It was very similar. But like, no one knows that he accidentally killed her. Yeah. And 
Because then that's forgotten about then. That no one actually knows that she's dead. Yeah. In this and again, film. like what you're saying about this, this the treatment of women in this film is just it's bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. Well, yeah. Probably no surprise to, to people listening, but um, yeah. So he accidentally kills her by strangulation. Um. Ooh, can I just say one thing? Off. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Apparently, June Brown, whose dot in EastEnders was in this film, but her scenes were deleted. What? What? <laughs> I want to see those what? scenes. I'm so annoyed. Oh. <laughs> anyway, dot sorry. Cotton. <laughs> sorry. About, uh, yeah. British luminaire, Dot Cotton. <laughs> Do you think she was still as old when she shot this? <laughs> <laughs> She's still alive. She's still in EastEnders. Is she? Yeah. My God. I, I didn't even know EastEnders still existed, frankly. So sorry. Anyway, John Niles accidentally murders Janice. Janice by, yeah, and he then like kind off. of like grabs her to kind of what to silence her. Even though she's the one who's coming onto him, he grabs her <laughs> to not say anything. I think. <laughs> but then accidentally um, strangles her. He he's like, no, they'll find us, and then tries to silence her and basically chokes her. Well, out. I'm guessing he knows he'll be in trouble if he's caught. Yeah, that's why. Even I, if yeah, yeah, even if. But um. It's definitely worse to kill someone. It definitely is. Yes. <laughs> but he runs out and... I don't think point... he was intending to do that, obviously. He, no, it's he accidental, but it's... Mm. Yes. And then, yeah, I've said this about 30 times now. He runs out and... <laughs> Sorry. Dust... <laughs> and then Dustin Hoffman... Did you know June Brown's in this film? <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then back to the party... And then and the, Rick is doing magic tricks and there's kazoo sounds everywhere and Dustin Hoffman decides that his wife's had enough of being in this place and they leave. And at that point they're driving home and they hit Niles with the car. When you said Niles then? What from uh, Fraser discussion earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they hit him with the car and it's so foggy, like how he can oh, yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, we're almost home, when you can't see... You see what he can see from the his windscreen. You can't Again, see shit. like driving in Herefordshire. That's very familiar. <laughs> very familiar. <laughs> Actually, that party in the in the church halls, like that's pretty much Herefordshire nightlife still. Oh, man. They, they used to, there's a place around here called Quinney Hall, and it's where all the farmers used to go because there's a lot of land by me. And because my dad's friends were all the farmers, we used to go there, and they'd have like cabaret acts and stuff like that on christmas and they'd have a kid's table which i was always sat on it was exactly this it, it just even though this was like a good 15 20 years before i'd go to it, it it just rang true like to exactly what it was like it looks so depressing to me and yeah it's, I was like it's, no wonder like disco and nightclubs just rocked the fucking world when this yeah. was like the normal thing it's like you've got two you've got adult things or very young kid things and yeah. there's nothing in between and those two always just meet and it's like, that, like I, I don't know the queen's the queen's wife the vicar's wife stands up and does some opera or something <laughs> yeah. like it's just... she had a lovely voice though she had a lovely voice it was <laughs> um so then niles runs out the barn <laughs> did you know june brown was in this film <laughs> anyway they hit niles with the car and Dustin Hoffman feels very bad about this. So Dustin Hoffman puts Niles into the car and drives him back to his house. He doesn't know that they're looking for him. 
Yeah. And he doesn't know that he's done anything wrong either. At this point, the whole town are out to try and find the missing girl. The The band of kind of no goodmen that we've been following decide that it's definitely Niles who did it. And when Dustin Hoffman phones the police to say that Niles is really ill because he hit him with a car, they find out that Niles is at Dustin Hoffman's house. Yes. And there we set up the end of the film, which is the entire end of the film, that the band of creepy Cornish people come to take John Niles back from Dustin Hoffman, and Dustin Hoffman decides that it's not happening. He's 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 he can't just hand over this guy to this this mob to lynch him, and this territorial kind of instinct finally kicks in, and he and he says, "I will not allow violence against this house," which is. Very silly thing to say when a rape has already happened in the house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a cat's been murdered. And a cat's been murdered. But he finally stands up. And from this point on, it goes full on Home Alone. And I kind of loved it. It was a yeah. wicked scene. Like, it's a good, like, what, 20 minutes, I think? Easily, really yeah. Good. Like, they're all smashing the windows in, throwing it. They're throwing like massive, not bricks, but massive rocks. Through rocks the through the windows. They're then smashing most, the doors. And then like... the rat catchers throwing rats through. Them. <laughs> <laughs> then they're setting fire to the um, setting fire to the curtains. curtains. And he's fighting back by kind of tying them to window frames in that wire. That was wicked when he gets the wire. Yeah. Ties the one to the the window frame, and then and he's got he like gets... the the glass just against his throat. Yeah, and, and then he's he like, gets... but he's going to cut me. And Dustin Thomas like, yeah, fuck him, whatever. He's got the <laughs> water on the boil, and they he throws. He, it's well, oil, isn't it? Like it boiling oil. Is it oil? oil? It? Well, they they first start shooting at him, and they he throws the the table up against the window. Yeah, and it falls down, and he just lobs like oil or water. I think it's water, but it could whatever. Whatever it is it's fucking hot and will burn. It's, it's hot, and it burns the crap out of them. Yeah. It, it kicks off with the the cop comes, doesn't he? We should have said the cop comes to stop them and tell them nope, go home, and they just blow the cop away. You know? Yeah, and I great think they're, they're just like, like fuck it, let's just go for it. Yeah, we killed him now. Fuck it, we're killing everyone, and and that shot of the cop and it just flies backwards and like like it's just so like what's the, what's the term exploitation. Like it yeah, just turns yeah, into full definitely. on exploitation, and I had I love this. I love this part of the film. I like, love shotgun fires like that in old films, yeah. though, because he just fucking flies, he like just flies, flies up, up in yeah. the air and just flies up. But then when Peter Vaughan like comes in and he's got the shotgun, I think Dustin Hoffman somehow manages to get the gun to point down. Yeah, and he like blows off his own foot. Blows off his much. foot. Yeah. So he's is he dead? Like. Could be. Could, I, think I, I assume foot blown it's not off dead, could kill you. I guess it could. But, but yeah, um, so he, he blows that's off that his classic own. shot. That then, if everyone has seen, even if you haven't seen the film of Dustin Hoffman with the gun pointed out, which he again, never like, actually fires because it's doesn't it jam got, on him? I no, think. he's got no bullets in it. Is it no bullets? Yeah. Yeah, and then um, he then beats up the the laughing boy with a poker stick. I think he kills him with the poker stick. You yeah, don't see him, him, but he alleges he kills him. Meanwhile, they keep moving Niles from different rooms because I think yeah. at one point he tries to attack Amy. Yes, that's I got that written down here. So like, n- there's not enough violence has happened against Amy yeah. that the the now murdering I don't know. I guess they call him a pedophile. Really, in this film, yeah. decides to himself attack Amy, who they're protecting. They're protecting this guy from this mob, yeah. and he decides to attack. Her. I'm like, seriously, is, is can anything more happen to this poor girl in this film? So they lock him in the the attic, I think. 
and he puts he puts on the bagpipe music now. Oh yeah. And they're like, he's playing music in there. And did I, you I think... know it? I quite liked actually throughout the film. There's like this weird like horn, this droning yeah. horn that you keep yeah. hearing. It's going, and then later on in the film, it's just the sound of the vinyl going. Yeah, that. Yeah, the yeah. scratch. Yeah, I love quite... the um. I just thought Hoffman was terrifying. In this like he just when he turns, he was just. I don't. I've said it again. I don't think of Hoffman as this, and he—I just thought he was brilliant, like in that turn, and and just saw a different side of him that I kind of know about Hoffman. I think really, he's he's got that like seventies kind of makeup, like where they've kind yeah. of put bruising on him, but it's really quite blue. Yeah, and it, it looks a bit like the makeup in Dawn of the Dead or something. Sure, and it's a bit obvious, but I quite like it. It's yeah, quite yeah. Cool. I like his glasses in this. Yeah, like they're smashed hair. and he's like bloody, yeah. like all dirty and stuff. And he's just and yeah, so they break into the house. I get a bit confused what happens now. So well, I think, I think the... the other guy then comes in. So Peter Vaughn's blown off his own. He's just killed Thought... the laughing guy. Yeah. Then the 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 ex boyfriend comes in with the shotgun. Hmm. Who he goes? Oh, it's it's. He says it's low. He said no. He own. He owns. He aims at um, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman says, you know, it's um, it's not loaded. And he goes, do you want me to prove it or something like that? He marches them upstairs to get to get uh, John Niles. But then yeah. I think that other guy's already upstairs now. The guy breaks in. The guy who the second rapist the second breaks rapist, in upstairs yeah. and attacks her specifically. I think. And, yeah, then and then the ex-boyfriend the ex- kills him. Yeah, puts the points the shotgun to him, kills him. And then... Is that right? Then there's a and fight then... break. Then Dustin Hoffman fights him. He falls yeah. down the stairs and then lands on the bear trap. Or gets yeah, he gets a bear trap, trap to the face. <laughs> She's horrified by this. Yeah. Well, and then, it, and then Dustin Hoffman's the like, oh, I did it. I killed everybody. Hey, look at me. I'm I, the best man that's ever existed. Then the guy he tied to the window frame comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got um, all this. Has he got the boils on his face? Or is, that the ex, is that the boyfriend? The no, it's the. It's Peter Boyle and the other guy who I think. The, the other rapist, I think. Okay, yeah. But anyway, he could have had some on his face. I don't know. But then he tries to then break. Dustin Hoffman's spine on the staircase. Like oh, yeah, on yeah, his... yeah. He's like kind of pushing his foot against the back of his spine, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. it's quite nasty. And then, and then she... it takes her a while to, to grab the shotgun. Yeah. And she just, she blows him away. And she blows him away. Thank God. She's, she, she did, she won. And then at the end, he drives oh, the end of John Niles so away, but he goes, are you all right to his wife? And it's like thinking, <laughs> you just they leave don't... her on her own. Do they they don't hug or anything or have like a moment of relief or anything? They just but he just, just kind of walks wonder, off with John Niles. Like, is he even in love with her? Does he really care about her? Is he, is he, he just cares. a trophy wife? Is what do you know what I mean? Like he definitely doesn't care about her. It does not. It doesn't matter to her. Like he's like, yeah. look, I weren't. I killed everyone. I got. I made John Niles safe. I'm gonna take him back to town now. Bye. And they just hop in the car and drive back to town. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was it was good. I don't I don't think it's as great as everybody said. It's got some great moments in it, but like you sure. said, it's just got some moments in it that even back in the seventies, if I was alive in the seventies, 
I'd still be like, why is this in here? I hope I'd be like that anyway. Like, well, enough people were. Roger Ebert didn't like film. He at gave all. it two out of four, I think. Yeah, a lot. There was a lot of critics at the time that didn't like it. I would say that it it works for me. Like, it frazzles me and horrifies me in that kind of way that it's meant to. Yeah, so, like I said at the beginning, I don't. I'm not sure how to take it, but I did yeah. think it was a good. I thought it. You know, I thought it was a good film. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, it's just. Me but too. it's just but, got some questionable. Well, I it's don't a question yeah. the word, but it's. I won't even say. I don't even want to say it's a product of its time. I think. I think because I think that's such a cop time, out to say that. To yeah, because clearly like, at the time yeah. people were like, um, "This isn't good," and like it was cut here and stuff like that. So it wasn't like people were just like, "Yep, yep, great rape scene, more of them, please." <laughs> but um, it was. I liked that I watched it. I liked that I've seen it, and it's it's an iconic piece of cinema that has influenced a lot after it. So, I'm I'm interested to see the sequel. Apparently, it's meant to be really bad. And it's Remake, set in Mrs. It, yes. What did I say? Sorry. Sequel. Huh? Sequel. <laughs> Straw Dogs Two. Strawier. Strawier. <laughs> now there's Wurzel more. Hay. Um. Yeah, it's set in Missouri, Missouri or Mississippi. No, Mississippi. I think it's. Uh, oh, there's a cop out to make it a South America, a Southern states thing. I yeah, liked so, the fact it was England. I thought that yeah. was kind of fun. I mean, it's kind of got that kind of. I mean, Brit- British films in the 70s and the 60s have got this very definite tone, like, you know, like The Wicker Man or mm. oh, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. They've yeah. kind of got this very kind of... Like, just if, British. Which I think yeah, we got lined if, up for the 60s, that kind of weirdness in I, British I meant to say, I meant to say if. I think Don't is the fake Edgar Wright trailer that's kind of like if. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant if, but okay. Yeah, this, the school one. Yeah, the school the one, yeah. School. Yeah, um... Yeah, that's got uh, what's his name from uh, Clockwork Orange in it, hasn't it? Uh, it does have what's his name. Michael, Ma- Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think in a large way, this kicks off this kind of exploitation cinema that you do see in the seventies. You know, there's a direct line from this to like Taxi Driver. There's a direct line through like d- um, Deliverance and stuff. So you it got that. Had, uh, what's the other one as well? Uh, Don't look now, kind of yeah. that kind of vibe and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. and. Apparently it, he was he was up for the role. Apparently Donald Sutherland. I can believe that actually. I can definitely see that. But like, uh, I think um, the exploitation stuff at the end of this film, I just thought was wonderful. Like it, it it's great exploitation cinema. And it's a like good that, it's a good like, build up to it. Yeah, it is. It's just it's just there's, a, there's stuff in it that makes it difficult to watch. But like, I don't know. But I guess I'm, that's I, what exploitation cinema is. It does have gratuitous yeah, stuff sure. in it for the sake of it. So. I don't know. I feel like maybe me and this film are never going. It's never going to be on my list of like greats, but it's it kind of is really good. Is, yeah, is, is that a review? Like, yeah, it's. What would you give it then out of five on? I don't know. I've been struggling. Right, like, I knew you're gonna ask me that because it's it's kind of like I don't know. It's like, really good in spite of all of its. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is actually. I'd like to give it a four, but I feel bad giving it a four. I think I think that it's the same with you as as I have actually. I thought it's it's well acted, you know, it looks great and it's got some great moments. I feel like I'm a bad person for liking it. Yeah. It, despite the film and maybe that's the point of it. Maybe that's what it was trying to do. I don't know. But that's like what Lars von Trier kind of says with his films, like yeah. you're bad for in- if you like this film, you're bad for liking. You know, like uh, what's the film? I think again, it's another home invasion film. You know. The one that got re- he remade it. Oh, do you mean Funny Games? Yeah, Funny Games. Yeah, not Lars von Trier. Um, 
Uh, not Michael, Michael Haneke. Haneke, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, yeah. he's trying to say that you're... Uh, yeah, yeah. I love bad. fighting games. Uh, yeah, it's so, it is but, inspired by the same thing, yeah. But that's what he's trying to say in that film. You're you're terrible for liking this. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. You, you're causing this violence to happen is the point of that, because you're He's, he's basically the woman at the end of that don't fuck with cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. He does it better, though. The whole point of that, because he stops, like, the, the guy has the remote control, doesn't he? He's like, this could stop now if you turn off the film. This, this yeah, violence yeah. wouldn't happen against his character if you turned it off. So it's very yeah, yeah. blatantly saying that. Anyway, uh, we'll wrap up there. Um, next week, we're covering 1972, which will be Fist of Fury, I think. Oh, Am yeah, we've, right? got, we've got our guest as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon, who's met the card a couple of mentions, is going to come on the show. Uh, He's a martial art expert. Martial art expert. That's going to, we can put him down as that um, filmmaker. So um, <laughs> I, I'm i glad he's coming on the show because I don't really know anything about martial arts. I don't really know anything about martial arts. Well, films. we have, I have, we have got something to talk about regarding me and you and martial arts, though, I think next week that we can probably talk about okay, briefly. That's a tease. <laughs> but I, 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 it, I don't know a lot about Bruce Lee, and I have not seen a lot of Bruce Lee films, so it's I'm kind of excited to watch one. And yes, uh, same, same. I mean, I think, I think to be honest, the only thing I've seen is um, Enter the Dragon. Really, I think Enter the Dragon might be the only one I've seen as well. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I think that's his pinnacle film. To be honest, right. that's like his. You know, well, hopefully, his... we'll learn more next week. It seems yeah, silly man. to do seventies and not have a uh, Bruce Lee in it. Really, yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm, I know more Jackie Chan than Bruce Lee. To be Me honest. too. I'm exactly the same as a martial arts film. I've seen tons of Jackie Chan films, like, and and I could talk about Jackie Chan as a film star, but talking before that, I don't have the, any kind of knowledge. So. Well, I think Jackie Chan's just a lot more. E- he's easier to get into because his films were comedies uh, yeah. most of the time, as well as being you know martial art films. So yeah, a lot more. There's a more of an in. There's more of a. Well, I can't say more because I haven't seen a lot of Bruce Lee films, but what I love about the kind of Jackie Chan films is the fact that it's all choreography, it's all dancing, it's all, and I love seeing that on film. And, and Jackie Chan knows how to shoot himself doing that. You know, he like yeah, kind yeah. of a Fred Astaire thing, really. And um, so it'd be really cool to see Bruce Lee, who's, I mean, at a cultural, an absolute icon like, in, in every, every, every regard, really. Oh, yeah. All right, okay. So I guess that'll about do it for today. Uh, thanks a lot for everybody's listened and uh, checking us out if you want to watch along with us um, on our Twitter feed we've got like an image up there which tells you all about the films we're going to watch the mm. 70s series so if you want to watch along please, please yeah. do so uh, yeah, that's pinned on our jo- Twitter account so people yeah, we'd love you to join the conversation with us you know tell us what you thought of Straw Dogs or Wonder from last week and uh, Fist of Fury next week and so on and so forth but yeah you can find us at Adjust Your Track that's uh, YR not your we're also on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can check out uh, us on um, Instagram as well at Better Feeling Films. Um, so yeah, if the pitch is bad, don't forget to adjust your tracking. <laughs>